She's inside the house. That's weird because now I hear the echo on your side and over Well, luckily, none of this is going in there. Oh, or this is going to be the cold open. You don't know. Welcome to the Crooked Table Podcast, where we discuss the world of film from a fresh angle. And now, your host, Robert Yanis Jr. Welcome to the Crooked Table Podcast. This is Rob. And this is Kai. On this episode, we're going to be talking about, well, what are we talking about? Basically, inspired by the release of Ocean's 8, uh, a touching base once again on women in film, which is really, I mean, it's been a big topic, especially this week with the release of Ocean's 8 and then, uh, you know, all the drama that's been going on in the Star Wars fan community. But we'll get to that in a second. So first of all, sort of a little bit of housekeeping. Last episode... Kai, you and I broke down our love of Riverdale, and uh, we should probably point out too if the audio sounds different. That's because we're in the same house, and I'm I'm trying a, a new recording technique over Skype. So uh, Kai's just in the other room uh, while I'm recording here in uh, you know the other part of the house. So if you notice any discrepancies uh, audio-wise, that's that's what that's about. So um, so yeah. So last week we talked about Riverdale. And I sort of teased that we were going to be watching Josie and the Pussycats, which we actually I just had to go ahead and purchase on DVD. So, um, so Kai, I guess let's follow up on our, our Riverdale conversation and sort of tie that up until season three, at least. What did you think of Josie and the Pussycats? Of course, we're talking about the 2001 film starring Rachel Lee Cook, Tara Reid and Rosario Dawson. Um, well, I have seen the movie before. I actually saw the movie theater when it came out in 2001, April 11, 2001, more specifically. We looked it up. And um, I that, don't that think would be, I, That would be creepy if you had that memorized. Yeah, because I'm Josie and the Pussycats is my jam. Well, but so you, I have to know. The, you, from, you also have like an encyclopedic knowledge of dates. Yeah, that. Yeah, well, that's it's true too. It's kind of creepy. Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. But, um, but no, so I saw the movie in the movie theater um, with a friend of mine. And I think at the time, like, I didn't like the movie. I don't know if I really liked the movie itself, but I really liked the soundtrack. In fact, me and my friend went and bought the soundtrack, and I listened to it constantly. But I, I think it was just, I didn't get it. Like, it, it went over my head. Because then when we watched it today, um, I did I did see what I was, what I'd read about in in more recent years about this movie and about the product placement was um kind of a parody and and i think the subliminal messaging was actually in a way is ahead you know it's ahead of its time because i mean that's clearly ex- very exaggerated but um and probably not even happening who knows but i think it was an interesting way of saying that any any trend that comes out a teenager is going to just gobble it up. Well, and it's interesting in the in in the 17 years since the movie's released, it has sort of developed a little bit of a cult following, and people have come to appreciate it as a satire of consumerism and pop culture. Um, and I, I mean, I you know, I always talk about Last Action Hero, which I think is similarly bombed at the box office, probably because people didn't really get exactly the subversiveness it was going for. Um, but it, it, you know, the product placement sort of feeds into the storyline of the subliminal messages and the music and all that because you're watching it and they even reference that late in the movie talking about like oh we actually found out I mean, it's spoilers i guess we actually found out that movies work better for subliminal messages meanwhile we've been watching a movie with product placement throughout literally every scene so you know it's sort of 
poking fun at itself in in you know just for the record none of that product placement like there was no actual deals with any of those companies that was just like them sort of uh embellishing the theme of the film and and uh you know really embracing that satirical element of it right um right yeah and i think that's also what you were telling me too because you've heard a lot about Josie and the pussycats and you've you've told me some of those things well they've they've done uh, they did an episode on Blank Check podcast, which is a, a, um, a show I really enjoy every week. Actually, I look forward to that. Uh, so definitely check that out, listeners, if you haven't heard that already. They have uh, basically follow filmographies, and they just did Josie's Pussycats as a one-off. Um, but I, you know, as someone who really likes Rosario Dawson, and uh, you know, was a, was a, you know sucked into the whole. Total Request Live, uh, She's All That, and like all the late 90s, early 2000s. It did feel very much like a time capsule. I mean, Rachel Lee Cook is in the lead role. <laughs> you know, that's all you need to say to be like, oh, that's of a very specific time in Hollywood where, you know, she, Rachel Lee Cook was a leading actress, you know. And I think she did pretty well in this movie. Yeah. One other thing I wanted to add is I could, I just really could not stand the Pierre Reed character named Melanie or Melody. She was just, she was just so stupid. It got on my nerves. I don't like that dumb well, blonde it's part. A, it's a cliche. It's a trope. Yeah, I know. I, they have to, that's, that's their shorthand for making each of the pussycats their own distinct personality. Uh, Josie is the leader and Valerie is like, you know, the, the smart, like sharper one. And then Melody is just kind of the doofus, I guess, of the group kind of, and I even made this, comparison we were watching the movie very similar to mean girls where you know each of the plastics have a kind of fulfill those same roles uh but i mean alan cumming is great in it and like you said the music is a lot of fun it's if you're watching it from a very specific perspective of knowing what you're expecting um i mean especially like if you're our age and you grew up with the late 90s with you know there's a very clear backstreet boy parody going on in the very beginning um you know, I, I think there's a lot of fun to be had with this one. And it's from the same filmmakers that did Can't Hardly Wait in the early... Was that late 90s? That was late 90s, wasn't it? Yeah, in like 98, I think. Yep, 98. Yeah, and they wrote the Brady Bunch movie, which is, an, again, another film that I think uh, really captures satire of the genre that it's poking fun of. And then I think, you know, watching Josie and the Pussycats as a, like, as a kid, watching the trailer and being like, that looks stupid. As, as I thought, and a lot of people must have because nobody saw it in theaters. Uh, you know, I, didn't, I would have never thought that it would have it would be a film that would sit right at home along stuff like Zoolander or Austin Powers or, um, you know, Undercover Brother. Like those just it's a parody of a music biopic type of thing, you know. So let me ask you this then. And I guess this is the, the segue into the podcast discussion. Why is it that movies like Zoolander and Undercover Brother have more stood the test of time and have more of a, not even a call following, but more of a following. I mean, Zoolander got a sequel that wasn't even that, no, oh my that God. good or well-received. You, you didn't see it, yet, but it was terrible. Yeah, yeah. Josie and the Pussycats didn't do very well at the box office, and it's, it's it only really has a cult following. Right. Well, Why do you think that is? That's, yeah, I know. Um, well, that, I mean, that segues really easily into, and that was good good setup. That was not rehearsed. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> and uh, we honestly, we, we okay, got podcast world. We actually do have like a bullet points, but most of the time we don't rehearse our podcast. No, so. no, it's just like we're gonna talk about this. We're gonna talk about this. Right. We're gonna talk about this. And this. We're not much. robots. No, exactly. We're we're living, breathing podcasters. Sometimes, um, 
podcasters not living and breathing living and breathing all the time <laughs> podcasters sometimes um yeah i know there's there's been a real and it's it's really annoying as someone who and i've done a i did a podcast about this like about a year ago when our daughter was was really small about how being a dad has kind of changed the way i see movies and one of those key ways is the way i see like female representation in film and especially in the last year or two with the whole ghostbusters debacle which we talked about on a previous podcast when that came out and uh, wonder woman and the me too movement and everything that's been going on in the industry it's it's kind of crazy the uh, the way that female led movies are treated differently not only by the, by by critics, uh, but also just by the by the public sometimes, by the way they're marketed, the way that they that people just tend to make assumptions about them. And I mean, I've been guilty of this too in the past. I mean, you you pointed out the other day that Bad Moms, which I thought looked really ridiculous and probably not wasn't going to be very good, uh, ended up being a really fun movie. And I, I you know we just rewatched it recently. That's I, I don't and it's I think it's just you know a symptom of the larger issue when you have all these white straight white men in and i you know i'm saying this as a straight white straight white man myself in positions of power that are just that are deciding what gets attention and what doesn't and it's that's why 90 percent of the movies out there are white and 95 percent of them are male-led and uh you know using oceans eight as an example i mean films like that and i actually there's someone on brandon katz on twitter uh, responded to a tweet that I posted a few days ago, just seeing a lot of like um, sexist and very misogynistic and disgusting remarks about Ocean's 8 um, that were just clearly aiming towards it because it's a cast full of women. And uh, he, he posted, Brandon posted a, an interesting article that he wrote for The Observer uh, talking about like that, uh, you know, female-led movies are big business in Hollywood. And last, last year... Three, the top three highest grossing films were Wonder Woman, Star Wars, The Last Jedi, and Beauty and the Beast. Not in that order, but... Well, not to mention that um, the most um, highly talked about TV show last year was Big Little Lies. Yeah, exactly. And won the most awards. Yeah, praised by critics and, you know, beloved by audiences. They make, they're making a second season, even though there's no more books. Uh, no more, like, source material, really. Um, and that's a big female-led projects like spearheaded by you know, spearheaded by women behind the scenes the you know, Reese Witherspoon and Nicole Kidman and producer roles and um despite the fact that female-led like there's clearly shocker women actually want to see women on screen sometimes and a little diversity the fact that things like Black Panther made almost 700 million uh you know who knew that <laughs> women and minorities actually want to see women and minorities in movies every once in a while and not just, you know, white men saving the day constantly. And, uh, you know, I, again, I say this as a white, as a straight white man, it's, you know, it's taken, it's been a long road for me personally, just to, I guess, as the kids say, get woke on this topic, because as a straight white man, I think now I'm hitting on what inspired this topic in the first place, Kai, uh, you know, as a straight white man, I've just, I've never questioned the lack of representation because I I didn't you know I'm the I'm the audience that they were catering all this to I, I straight white men are in, in running studios making movies for straight white men so for me it's been the last few years especially a big growing uh, a big growth per culturally for me to seek out movies about LGBT or seek out movies that are that are you know 
actually put women in positions of power and uh, as the protagonist and not like the love interest or the mom or like, you know, the, all these different cliched roles that they normally play in movies or, you know, African-Americans or Latinos or whatever. And I, I think that the industry, despite the fact that they're making money, they're still they're still reticent to embrace that. And I don't know, what do you, what do you I guess, what do you pinpoint the cause of that being Kai do you think it's just resistance to change do you think it's just the divisive political climate we're in now that people are still doing that or, or what do you what do you sort of chalk that up to in films like Ocean's 8 and you know beyond obviously um, well I don't think it's just the political climate that we're in I mean remember the the pushback that Ghostbusters the, the reboot of Ghostbusters 2 or the reboot what Ghostbusters had um, right. two summers ago I mean, it was horrendous what they, what critics and uh, moviegoers were saying about this movie and the women in it. And o- Obama was still in office at that time, so we can't, so it can't completely be pinpointed to that. And I think my my opinion is that this is happening because as women and you know people of color are getting more power and getting less. Um, less oppression it's also the ones in power that are still trying to oppress that group more than ever before and one way to oppress that group is to degrade them demoralize them um resist it and also with the with the um modern the modern feminist push too that's been going on over the last several years i think has really been scaring people and you know we have a friend that she said a few years ago that she just wished that people didn't hate women so much and that when there's so much progress, that can be very scary to other people that don't want progress. Mm -hmm. So, you know, women, um, and have come a really long way in the last century. I mean, we just got rights to vote in the 20th century and in, and we're now in like the second the second wave of feminism because the first wave was in the 60s and now you know the the two, uh, the 2010s so i think that's been really cool for me but i think that's that might be why there is this resistance and i think it's it's particularly pervasive when for in some communities like if you're making a fe- uh, a female led version of something that people love like Ghostbusters or you know like the Oceans movies to an extent to a much lesser extent I think yes much lesser extent yeah I think people were like really up in arms and protective of Ghostbusters and part of that is because it's you know it's a sci-fi franchise that's you know held in such esteem by a lot again a lot of males specifically white males and that it's you know a sequel was being talked about forever with the original cast and that didn't happen and instead we got a a film that basically ignores the previous films and i think that was but it didn't (laughs) but it ignored the previous well ignore the previous films in like in that those films aren't canon i mean they're not in continuity with those films it's not in continuity with those other films which i think would have kind of uh offset a little bit of the the malevolence that was lev- that was levied against that film and I don't think so it's cast I think it would have cut it undercut it a little bit you don't think so not at all it would have been the same I think that people were gonna find a way to hate that movie well, regardless of what they did whether they made a canon or they didn't I guess that's true and it's not because well, isn't ocean eight isn't oceans eight canon yeah yeah 
It is. Okay. It's, it's, well, that's, that's it has Dave. cameos from some of the original cast of, and by original I mean the Clooney version, obviously. And there are actually the real cameos, not just Bill Murray's playing a. No, 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 playing the same characters. Detector. There's like a, right. yeah, a couple of those actors returning. Yep, and there's still backlash. I mean, I haven't read any of the roots or anything. I well, uh, I, more I, than any of the comments. I think yeah, it would really make me mad. We should probably say for the record, neither of us have seen the film. Right, yet. right. That's why we're not talking about the quality of the film. We're just talking about sort of the response surrounding it. Um, but I mean, I don't know what it is specifically that, and there's a lot of, you know, vitriol in the geek community in general. Um, so I guess that extends to, you know, cinephiles, but specifically people that are into like sci-fi and fantasy and horror or comic books or whatever, um, that you see things like Ghostbusters, like the Ghost Bros reacting the, the way that they react, or, um, you know, let's talk about Star Wars now, this whole the whole thing recently with Kelly Marie Tran where people were basically harassing her on social media to the point that she just decided to close down her Instagram or, you know, with go with ghostbusters, people harassing and yelling racist things to Leslie Jones. It's just something about, I don't know why men are so sensitive about women actually having substantive roles in their franchises that they just like take them and like they just decide oh this is a sub this is an object for my abuse because I could take it out on her because she's a woman and I guess, I guess they assume she's not going to fight back or she's less than somehow I don't yeah I don't yeah. understand I, well this is not related to abuse but all all that um, hubbub that happened over the Wonder Woman private screenings oh yeah oh yeah and that that we had men that were so offended that they couldn't go these private screenings that they like. Got up all up in arms about it. <laughs> that's uh, the, that's um, and then they're always like, "That's prejudice to men." Blah blah blah. Like, you can't. And that's the thing. You can't really, you know. I listen to this great podcast um, regularly called Citizen Dame, and they, you know, it's four female film journalists talking about things, and they they point this out sometimes in regards to reverse racism, reverse, reverse sexism, you can't really oppress a group that, like, the, the group in power can't really be oppressed. That doesn't even make any fucking sense. How does that work? You know what I mean? It's like, if the white, if white men are in the positions of power, they can't be oppressed. They're kind of in charge. You know what I mean? Yeah, it doesn't, exactly. it, that, that, by definition, that's not how it works. So, uh, and it's, it's weird. Like, I wonder what's, what is the deficiency with, and this is, you know, obviously, this is obvious, but I'll state it for any male listeners that are like, well, I'm not like that. It's like, obviously, this is not all men. There's a lot of us that are, are male feminists and you mm-hmm. know, all about equal rights. And that is and very I, important to women, yeah. you know, feminist women, because we need allies. I mean, it's the male feminists that in some ways have gotten a lot of a lot of things done uh, with sexual assault cases, right. you know. So there are a lot of there are a lot of that. men white and other white straight white and otherwise that are that are on the right side of history when it comes to these issues and um, but there's I don't know what it is about a certain percentage and it's usually I mean it's still probably a minority but it's like a really vocal minority they're not uh, the silent it's not the silent minority at all no not at all <laughs> not at all I wish it was they should be more silent uh, and maybe they feel emboldened by certain things events in the last couple of years or i don't know what it is uh to speak out more or they just hide behind their keyboards like like you know feeling like oh i can i can attack this actress because i don't like the last jedi or ghostbusters or the fact that there's a all woman heist movie it's like who cares dude let let them make the movie 
you know, let them. Yeah, let why the, does it attack what your ego it? so much? Like, you, what you, is the problem? Exactly. I don't understand why they feel threatened by that. I don't know if it's some kind of insecurity thing or what's going on with that. I mean, here's another perfect example is very few studios of, of this scale are uh, led by women, but Lucasfilm has Kathleen Kennedy in that position of power. And people have constantly been saying, oh, it's, should Kathleen Kennedy step down from Lucasfilm, blah, blah, blah. And now... After Solo's disappointing box office performance, some people are, there's rumors going around that she's going to resign. And I'm like, oh well, gosh. that's ridiculous. Because one movie didn't make as much as the last three movies, which are some of the highest grossing Star Wars movies of all time. And all of which were, even though the pissed off uh, fans, and I've used fans in air quotes, would like, uh, wouldn't like to admit it, three of like the most critically acclaimed Star Wars movies ever made, three of the biggest box office earners in Force Awakens, Rogue One, and Last Jedi. It, one slight misstep, not even really a misstep, but like, uh, you know, instead of a home run, it's like, you know, a solid single or double, using baseball terms that I'm not even 100% sure I'm using <laughs> correctly. Um, that's it. That really does feel, because she's a woman, that they're like, oh, she doesn't see, women can't handle this. Look, this yeah. movie didn't do as well as it, it was supposed to, well, according it's to like them. Well, it's like we were talking about with uh, before Wonder Woman came out. It's like if Wonder Woman did not succeed, if it was a failure, then the studios would have felt reason to not make another woman-led superhero film with a female director. Right, right. That would have been their excuse. Well, especially with the female director part. I think right. that's the key thing is, uh, you know, and that's another uh, that's another issue that A Wrinkle in Time has faced because David DuVernay directed that and it didn't do as well as it could have but why does every why does it, that's the upsetting thing when you have people of color or women or women of color in this case um heading a studio or directing a project is why why do they have to constantly be flawless meanwhile most of the shitty movies i see are directed by white guys who have made like barely any movies before this and the studio's like here's a hundred million dollar budget go for it it's like why do they get things handed to them? Meanwhile, the people of color and the women have to fight so hard to get any kind of big break, like any of these big studio movies, franchise or Marvel or DC or whatever, you know? Yeah, and it's amazing. And I think the other thing that's conversation that spurred this podcast topic is, you know, now that you're a father of a little girl, you know, right. you, you said you're more woke and, you know, being your wife, I would agree with that. But, um, you mentioned I didn't, you know, you didn't know that it was like this. And you have seemed very shocked by this behavior in the world. And I had to tell you, I said, I'm not. This is what I have dealt with right. my entire life. These are the things that I've, I mean, not necessarily to me. Like, I haven't heard this stuff to me being like, oh, God, you can't do that because you're a woman or whatever. I, in my own personal life, thankfully, I haven't felt. But it's the environment. In the United States. Yeah. Right. But in the world that I, the gender that I am and the friends that I have and the, and the family relationships that I have that I know and, and that I've experienced my whole life. And it's, so I'm not, I'm not surprised by any of this and it, it makes me sad. It makes me angry. Yeah. But I think that what's great is that there is a, there is a big group of men and women and men that want things to get better and are pushing for things to get better and are keep are going to keep fighting to for progress yeah. regardless of what assholes on the internet have to say right. or the people the studio heads that want women to step down and and, and to that end it does look like oceans 8 is going to do pretty well this weekend so 
that's a good sign that we'll probably get an Ocean's Nine soon and an Ocean's Ten, and then they'll link up to the other <laughs> to, the, to the other trilogy. Well, look what happened with Sex in the City. Um, and yeah, those two movies are not that great. Right. But I was one of those one of those women that went to see those two movies with my girlfriends, and we made an event, and I we dressed up and we like went to lunch afterwards, and we were like girls going to see our Sex and City movie. Right. Or like, and that or, movie or, did really really well because or, of that. Or something like Bride, Bridesmaids, which had a similar like 150 or whatever million dollars it made, nominated for Oscars and everything. It's, you know, like I said, it's shockingly women and people of color will go see movies starring and directed by women and people of color because, you know, everybody, that's the thing. As a, as a, a straight white man raised in suburbia and, you know, I didn't really face much oppression. I've been very fortunate in that. And so to see that, that women and people of color have to deal with this kind of thing and don't feel like they, feel like they're not represented on screen in the way that I've been lucky enough to see, that makes me sad. And that that's why movies like Wonder Woman or Black Panther or Ghostbusters, like I, you know, I, I feel that for my daughter's future, for other people, you know, for other cultures and other, you know, people of color and things like that. And of course that's, I should clarify not to say that you need to have a daughter in order to be a, hum, a decent human being. <laughs> because I was, I was already, you know, compassionate in general, but I wasn't as attuned to, I'm not like now I'm really sensitive to those issues because I have a daughter. It just kind of amped it up even more so, you know, part of Plus, that's growing up, part of that's being married uh, and being in a close relationship with a strong woman. Part of that's now trying to raise a strong woman. And I'm, I'm more I'm more aware of trying to expose her to things that show girls in a positive light. And I think that there are also people, um, men and women included, that don't have all those factors in place or even one of them that they aren't woke no matter what happens because you know you mentioned upbringing like maybe their mother was not was you know anti anti women too right. um their father was anti women or their um or they or they were um um they had and because of that then they have a daughter and they don't care about her being strong because they marry a an anti woman woman so there's also those factors in play too right that that you kind of i think yeah def i think that being married to a strong woman definitely more um helped you with that and um and yeah and then the daughter part of it but yeah a lot of men can't necessarily say that and so a lot of women can't say that either right and that's a dynamic that a lot of you know individuals families couples whatever aren't even aware of that they that they react that way but they're like oh black panther I don't know. Doesn't look like it's for me. Why? For some undefined reason, because they're not used to seeing, you know, an all-black cast because it's set in another country that's not one that they're or a culture that they're familiar with. You know what I mean? And a lot of people have sort of a, a abrasiveness to films that don't feature people, especially. And I'm talking mostly about white men, obviously, but you know, even women, like you're saying, white women or women in general could also have that same sort of like, eh, I don't want to see women in the front. I'm so used to the other thing. And they're just not 100% aware of that, that we've been so conditioned to seeing, well, white men, you know, it's Tom Cruise, it's, you know, Chris Evans or whatever. It's always, that's kind of the way it is with rare exceptions. You have your Denzels and your Will Smith and you're like Julia Roberts and stuff. But for the, by and large, it's always white men leading these films. And if the women are in it, they're usually like, 
su- supporting roles and like kind of subservient on a narrative level to uh, to the male stars. And um, you know, I think that's important important for me as a film critic to seek out movies starring women and and people of color and you know with them behind the scenes as well and uh, um even just as someone that listens to a lot of podcasts i listen as i mentioned citizen dame and then there's um there's a great one called black men can't jump in hollywood that looks at films from uh from an african-american perspective and like for diversity and and race and uh, i think it's good to expose yourself to different cultures, different voices, because it makes you, not only does it make you more compassionate for the people around you, but it makes you, you know, develop more as a person and you, you know, you, you, um, evolve spiritually in a way, just being exposed to, to other representation on screen, other than the mainstream, what you're used to staying in your own little box, because that's the only way in movies in life in general, that's the only way you grow is by, well, let me put myself out there. Let me visit another country. Let me try this new, you know, dish at this restaurant, or let me, you know, watch a film or listen to a song or read a book by someone that's totally different from me, not staying, well, I'm going to read, I read John Grisham books and I watch horror movies and I eat pizza and that's pretty much my life. I'm like, well, that's, there's so much out there to experience it's why limit yourself that way when it could you could develop a more of appreciation for the world around you and the people around you by you know by being a little more adventurous and i guess in air quotes brave enough to to step outside your comfort zone yeah yeah exactly (laughs) that was a pretty i didn't mean to get uh... so so uh, long-winded there but but no and we talked about that it's a topic that we're both passionate about and i you know I agree with that sentiment. I mean, I'm not a film critic or anything like that, but I think I do agree with you that it's good to good to delve into different areas that you're not accustomed to. Right. You get to get a feel for that. And I mean, that's one of the reasons that I love to travel is when I've traveled, I've met people from all over the world and I get a, I get a different perspective on their lives and, and their culture and their accents and, and, Ultimately, one thing I've learned is that we are all the same. Mm-hmm. You know, we all share very common threads and, you know, just take away where we come from and our parents. We're pretty much all the same. We're all humans and we all um, want to be happy and 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 be, and be loved by people. Right. And, um, and, you know, just like being someone that, actually comments and you know stirs up discussion and puts his opinion out on culture that's why i feel like you know i try and approach everything i write and everything i see from a perspective of like well how if especially if i'm a you know if i'm reviewing a film led by a woman or whatever like there's after the whole thing with harry knowles of ain't cool news came out i didn't even realize this because i wasn't i never really followed the site very heavily but a lot of his film reviews were very like gross to pay like descriptions of the woman body and like certain scenes and how they're like sexy or gross or whatever and i'm like dude why are you if it was a man you wouldn't be writing descriptions like physical descriptions of things or brandon in his uh article that i should put in the show notes i I don't know if i mentioned that um you know posted like people's like people's comments on the tomb raider movie about somebody being like do i have to be the one to say that alicia vikander's breasts are too small to play lara croft or things like that i'm like nobody's saying that like you know i don't know Jamie Foxx's dick is too small to play Spawn. I mean, why are we, you know, why are we talking about this? 
what and it's also when even happen, even and this is kind of a, 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 a sidestep but with comic books with women right i mean they're so exaggerately drawn to begin with well like, that's, no woman yeah. looks like that and to even and that is disgusting to degrade a woman that way and mm-hmm. a real woman who you know the depiction in the comic book is complete fantasy yeah, that's a totally and separate another issue, way yeah. to oppress, and it's another way to oppress women yeah so, because those anyway. are all written those are all drawn and written for male audiences so they just yeah so the women are always very sexualized and uh you know i think it doesn't that doesn't help the whole issue in the geek community of viewing just women as as sexual objects and you know questioning well why should they be in a position of power as a ghostbuster or or an amazon princess or whatever um so i don't know it's what what could we do to make this better? I just I guess it's just like I said, expose yourself to more things and and try and develop your your compassion for others and try and and go out of your way to go s- seek out a film directed by a woman or seek out a movie you know for 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 the Af- to market it towards the African American community or you know with you know Asian influence or you know whatever and that's why I feel like a lot of there's been so many great movies just in recently between Black Panther Wonder Woman and like something like Coco which is all Latino um, you know I, I think that I feel like some studios and some television networks and some things are getting there like they're I don't know it's probably just by force of because they've seen that there's an audience for it and it's just you know the commerce of it well like well look people went to see this so I guess we should make more of that and so, so, I mean, that's really the best thing that people listening can do is ex- expand your horizons, take a chance on things. Um, and if you want to be supportive of something, if you want more black superheroes, go see Black Panther or go see Spawn when it comes out or go see, you know, if you want to see more fi- we female-led franchises and such, go see Ocean's 8. You know, pay with your dollars because that's what Hollywood listens to. And, um, you know, some studios are making more, I think Disney is making steps with things like Moana and, um, you know, trying to diversify the Star Wars franchise, which has never really had a very, very much of a female or person of color perspective before. So would you agree that that's basically the best way to go out there and support those projects and, and try and, and, um, you know, find other, find other voices to, uh, to add to your repertoire of things you've experienced. Yeah, I would agree with that. And to add on to that, um, kind of more of a, as a, a general statement, is when it comes to progress for women, for people of color, remember that it's not a competition. Just because someone gets something doesn't mean that it's taking something away from exactly. someone else. There is enough to go around. There's enough movies in Hollywood being made that don't feature women or people of color that it's not taking anything away from you and or from a person and you know to give other other people a chance in a lot of other ways you know everybody can win in, yeah. in life it's it's telling that when a, a um you know film minority or female-led comes out and then a lot of and, and it's well done i'm like geez this feels really fresh why does this feel really fresh i'm like oh because it's the first movie i've ever seen with a person that looks like that in the lead and it's it's you know I, I think not only is it good culturally for that for that purpose I think you know it it it's good creatively artistically think of all these store all the stories that haven't been told because it's about a woman or it's about a black person or an Asian person or a Latin person you know what I mean I think uh, you know now is the time 
for that, especially with everything that's going on. Like they said, the Me Too moment and all that stuff. People are starting to realize, hey, we're all the same. Like like you were saying, and like at sort of the closing monologue in Black Panther, that we're all one tribe. We're all people. We're all trying to live our lives, going to job, raising our kids, paying our bills, wiping our ass. We're all we're all doing the same thing. Our bodies might look different, have different colors, we might sound differently, but we're all. We all, we all put our pants on one leg at a time, as the saying goes. We all have a heartbeat. We all have emotions. And, you know, you, people need to keep that kind of thing in mind before they be like, I hate The Last Jedi. I'm going to make this actress's life a living hell for no reason. It's, she's just a human being who's living her life. You hate the movie? Then don't watch it. Move on to something else. Let those of us that enjoy it, enjoy it and stop being a dick about it. So I feel like that's kind of my, oh, I feel like that was basically my closing thoughts. Like, yeah, it did seem like that was where you were going. And I mean, I don't know what else we can add to this other than um, so, you know, saying our piece. But yeah, that, you know, it's just, I think it was good to have a podcast with a male and a female with, the, with perspective. Well, that's and, part of the reason I wanted you on the specific episode is that, you know, I wanted to, it felt, it, it, it adds another, again, it adds another voice to this conversation otherwise it would have felt it would have felt sort of disingenuous to have this conversation which is like hey i'm a white man and i'm going to tell you what we need to do everybody else out there you know what i mean well one thing i wanted to add um when we were talking about physical with with that with that critic that was talking about females bodies and and you actually call me out on this and i'm trying i'm trying to stop it um i i do say remarks about women in movies and how they look and i'm not and I'm not doing that to be demeaning. I don't know. Maybe it's just habit from from my own upbringing. Because even in my own upbringing, um, I've been around other women that have been demeaning to mm-hmm. females, whether it's on the, the red carpet or in movies, TV shows. And that's not and that's not a good habit for me to have. So I'm really glad that you call me out and say, "Hey, why do you know what was the point of you even saying that right. about that actress?" Because I don't want to be. Um, anti-woman because I'm not um, more pro-woman than ever before probably be also because of you know having a daughter and all that and you know being part of being want to be part of the feminist movement but so even I'm trying to be aware of that too right to to break those cycles well that's what kind of what I was saying like me growing up like it seeps into the culture you don't even think about it or you're you're like programmed to see things a certain way because that's I don't know just how that's what you're exposed to in the world or just it through whatever media you're taking in and um you know i think it's everybody just needs to take a step back think critically why am i why do i feel this way about this is there another way to is there another way to be more inclusive and diverse and in the way i i see the world you know movies this is a podcast about movies but it's it's in them it's you know symptomatic of a large much larger issue that really expands to all elements of our society and not just as a nation but as a world and uh you know, I like to quote this a lot, but Roger Ebert says famously that films are, are uh, empathy machines, basically, and that you, you learn about, you appreciate others, and you learn about other people's cultures, other people's lives. You basically, you get to step in someone's shoes for two hours and experience the world through their eyes. And I think that's what's sort of powerful about art, you know, but cinema in, in particular. So, any other yeah. th- any other thoughts on your end? Um, yes, and the other one I wanted, okay. the other point that I wanted to add, is that I think sometimes the issues that the um, studio heads have with making 
a film with women or people of color is that there are concerns that they're not going to make money on the movie. Mm-hmm. And as this is a worthwhile concern, but um, they, a lot of the feedback from moviegoers is to say, well, how can I relate to this person? How can I relate to this black person? I'm white. Like I wouldn't, I don't have their same experiences or they'll say, well, and, and, and you're kind of guilty of this too, but not like, it's not that bad where, you know, you watch a movie with, female actresses and they're telling their story and you know when a person would say okay i can't how can i relate to this story i'm not a i'm not a female like right. this is not my story meanwhile like i'll watch a movie like B- brave like brave is a good example and i'm like sobbing at the end of that movie right because well that's... it did resonate with me more with having a mother and being a you know having a mother-daughter relationship and right. you kind of didn't feel that same emotion because you don't have you have a mother-son relationship, right? Right. And, um, it's a subjectivity. And I think that's sometimes some of the problems too. It's also that's. I mean, that's a subjectivity of art. Like, um, you know, you might relate to a certain way to a certain film more because you see yourself reflected in either the story or the characters or but something else. But the thing else, is, though, you have I, a lot of the moviegoers that are bring you know showing their dollars are straight white males, right? Then no wonder they don't see themselves in any of the stories and doesn't feel well, relatable the, well, to them because the, they're the ones that are buying the tickets. Well, eh, sometimes, but they're also the ones making the decisions about what movies get greenlit. That's what I'm saying. I think that's the problem is that the people that are making the decisions, the shot callers as, as it were, are straight white men that are like, well, I don't get this. I don't know how to sell this, but this one where the, where the, the woman is like this, you know, the, the, the female lead is like the love interest of the male and it's very sexual or whatever that I understand. He's like the hero, and she's hot and wants to be with him. You know, <laughs> I'm assuming that's how most studio meetings go, which is why, yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. So, uh, I don't know. It's it's a work in progress. So go out there, see Ocean's Eight if you want more of that. See Hereditary, which is a, which is a great film. And then we have a review on CricketTable.com for that, and it's also female led. which is an amazing performance by Tony Collette. I mean, there's a lot of great work being done out there and it does feel like we're taking baby steps. So that's encouraging at least. Would you agree? I, yep, I do agree. So I think that's, I think that's pretty much all we have for now. If you like what we're doing here on the Crooked Table podcast, please consider contributing to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash crooked table. You can also rate and review us on iTunes to help others find the show. You can find me, Robert Yannis Jr., on Twitter at Crooked Table. And you can find me, um, Kai Yannis, on twitter.com at the bulky LLC. And you can also find me on YouTube on the Kai Yannis under Cayennes, I have some inspirational videos that I post weekly. It's five minutes of inspiration. They can handle that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yes. Of course, you can find more podcasts, reviews, videos, and other movie-related goodies over at CrookedTable.com. Uh, until then, next time, I've been Rob. And I'm Kai. We'll catch you around the table next week. Roll credits. This has been a production of CrookedTable.com. All rights reserved. C-R-O-O-K-E-D. C-R-O-O-K-E-D. <laughs> <laughs>